So today's stuff is Yud Gimel. We pick up at the bottom of Yud Betamid Bet. We're dealing with different things that are kosher, puzzle for schach, primarily with a look towards the issue of the Kabbal Tumah. We discussed like different stages of the, of the uh, making of the of flax into a string. And now we pick up with the following statement, two lines from the bottom of Yud Betamid Bet. By Amar, uh, I'm sorry, um, three lines from the bottom. Amar Rav Yehuda, says Rav Yehuda. Hani uh, These two things, shushe and shavtsire, which are various types of um, vegetables, um, you can use for, and you can, they have like wide leaves. Um, you can use them, or presumably not them because they're food, but they're leaves for schach. Yeah, so fine. So they're, they're leaves, right. No, you can use this shushe. You can't use the shavtsire. Why not? My taima. Even just sorry, rechayu, because um, once they spoil, um, they're um, you know when once it starts withering, then it starts making a stink. The, the leaves and shavik lehu v'nafik. Then you'll leave just look and you'll walk out. So for a baye, and this is actually something that we've seen in something we've seen from a baye in the past is that a baye you know focuses us not just on the um, technical question of is this a kosher object, is this the right size, but also the reality of have you created a sukkah that's habitable. Um, there was a case before about which you have low schach and you have like strands of schach hanging within ten tfachim. But even though technically that doesn't mean that the, that the size of the sukkah is any smaller, reality is it makes it no longer habitable. So the point here he's saying is the same thing. These leaves might be kosher schach, but you can't use it for a sukkah because it'll spoil and you'll leave. Now, it's interesting, right? Is he saying that rabbinically you're not yotze? Is he saying the chakhil you shouldn't? Why don't I say I'll use it until it gets bad and then I'll leave or whatever? But it sounds like Abaye is doing more than just giving advice. Abaye is saying that since it's set up in a way that, um, that it's not really habitable in any period, under normal conditions or over a period of time, it is not considered a dira and you're not yotze. Similarly, we have the next debate. Again, top line of Yud Gimel Amadal. Amar of Chanin, Chanan, Barava, Chani Hizmi Vihigi, various types of uh, thorn uh, bushes. Mesachimu, uh, you can use them. Because again, you cut them off of the ground and it grows from the ground. It's not Makabotuma. Why not? Abaya Amar, Hizmi Mesachim. Hizmi, which is one type of a thorn bush you can use. Higi, which is a different type of a thorn bush, Lo Mesachim. You can't use. My timer, why not? Kivin the Nasri Tarfayu, Shavik Lavanafi. Because the second type of bush, naturally the leaves will uh, fall, start, you know, left cut off of the ground and on top of your schach, maybe exposed to sun. Eventually the leaves will start uh, dropping off of the bush and fall, and fall down. And therefore, not just that you'll be left with non sufficient schach, but then it'll start becoming uninhabitable because you'll have all these leaves falling onto your head and into your soup and onto your food. So therefore, it's not good. Again, is that just the chachila? Is that even b'diavet? Is he claiming that rabbinically? Is he claiming that biblically? But Abai does have a consistent position that he says, I'm not just looking at the technical parameters. If it's not really going to be habitable because of the circumstances, to me, that's a problem as well. Okay. Now we get back to the point of our Mishnah, which was a bundle of wood you can't use. And trying to more precisely define or deal with cases of what constitutes a bundle. So let's take a look. Amarav Gidol Amarav. Says Rav Gidol in the name of Rav. Hi, Afkusa de Dikla. If you have a, um, 
uh, I don't know how they translate it, but basically the Rashi says it. It's like a it's like a a a, a bundle, but it's a natural bundle, like a collection of shoots of um, like uh, palm branches, but all coming from a sort of a common source. I'm trying to think of what an example would be, but maybe it's not. This is not what the Gemara is talking about, because the Gemara is talking about a palm tree or things that grow at the base of a palm tree. But if you think about, let's say I were to shop off a a branch of a tree. Right? Would I say, well, that's like a bundle of wood because it's got one branch and I've got all these sticks of wood coming from it. And the answer is no, because that's a natural bundle. It's not a man-made bundle. So this is the same type of an idea. Like, it's a lot of shoots. You know what a good example would be? Um, again, this wouldn't be directly relevant because this is food, so it wouldn't be kosher anyway. But think about, like, a, star, a, a, a bunch of celery, right, where you've got all these stalks, right, which are bunched at the bottom. So it almost looks like a bundle of wood, right? It's like a lot of stalks of things, but they're all naturally joined at the bottom. So he's saying that's not a problem. Again, we're not dealing with food, okay, So because then it would be Makabutuma. That's not a problem because that's a bundle, but it's not a human-made bundle, a man-made bundle, okay? So, Mestachimbu, Afagav Dagidei, although they are bundled up, Egebidei Shemaim Loshmei it's made by heaven, as it were, the not. You know, they're, 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 they're joined together naturally, not, they're not humanly bound. Um, now, now you went ahead again think about the the, 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 the bunch of celery is the best like visual example got, although again we're not talking about food now you went ahead it had that, that, that natural joining at the bottom and you took a string and you made a string around the stalks you know at the top so you actually made a human bundle even though you did, even yeah, though you were saying it was, a, it was still joined. You yeah, you started joined naturally, and now you're going to put a string around it and join it together. Tore them apart and put them back. Right. If you tore it apart, it'd be different. But no, it was already naturally joined. Um, joining something that's already one is not an egg. We've already decided that since it's natural, it's considered to basically be one unit. It's not considered to be multiple units joined together. So therefore, if you now made a, a string around your celery stalks, you haven't bundled up celery stalks because it was already one unit. So even if you added a string to it, you would not have made it into a bundle. You would not have made it a problem. This is basically the same thing, except instead of talking about some type of a stalks or whatever that grows by a, from a palm, this is talking about the same type of, a, of, of things with reeds that you have like a collection of a shoot of reeds all coming out that are joined at the bottom. you can use that although they're naturally joined together. It's all done naturally and therefore it's not considered like a bundle. Nothing, just applying it to the case of reeds. If you knew the difference between the, if you you know, if you had an experience with the uh, palm branches and with the reeds, you might appreciate what the finish is. <laughs> but I have no idea. It's the same idea except this is with reeds. Avagam the Hadar Agilu, even though you then went ahead and now you made a a bundle around like a, a you know, a a, a, a a knot around these reeds. Joining something, bundling something that's already one unit is not making an egg and therefore even if you made a bundle on it, as long as they remain naturally connected at the bottom, it is not a problem. Similarly, um, reeds uh, or sticks literally and dukranim, which is dukranim is uh, is um, um, also like some type of a um, of a pole, you can make it with sach. The Mishnah says, "Kanim uh, pita 
so um, Kodim is like um, obvious so right why, why couldn't you make it it didn't say it's a bundle it just said reeds of course you make schach with reeds no, so what it means is reeds that are of Dukranim and here, again, whatever this means is the reeds that are of this type of a bunch. So it's not referring to two things, it's referring to one thing, a bunch of reeds, a naturally growing bunch of reeds, you can use it for schach. And that's the idea we said, that although they're bunched together, since it's natural, it is not considered to be a bundle and it's okay. Okay. If you have bitter herbs of the swamp, you can use it to fulfill your obligation on Pesach. It counts as maror. And the Chiddush is going to be, although it has a, um, what's called a shame levi, a qualifying name, a descriptive name. It's not just called generically maror. It's called swamp maror. Nevertheless, that's in the category of maror. The additional characterizing name, qualifying name, you know, d- descriptive name does not make it a different subspecies. Does not make it a different type of a plant. Now, the only reason now we're saying it is because it's Amar Avchiza, um, Amar um, Ravina. That has nothing to do with Schach. If you look before the statement about Dukri Tikani with Amar Avchiza, Amar Ravina. So this is really completely unrelated. It's just the same person who says it. Okay? So the same uh, source of tradition of Chizim Ravina is Allah about Hilchaz Pesach. You can use horseradish. That's swamp horseradish. And I think by the way, the etymology, I forgot to check this, the etymology of the word horseradish is, has something to do with swamp. Like horse is not a horse, it's from, um, let me see if I can find it right now. Somehow it's through some poor translation, some type of a translation that ultimately is rooted in something of, I think, like a radish of the sea or a radish of, of the swamp. Hold on a second. Use Rabbi Google here. Um, Let's see what Wikipedia is. He's an excellent rabbi. What? Excellent rabbi, Rabbi Google. He always knows everything. You don't think he's never available on Shabbos. <laughs> okay. Um, let's take a look. Let's see if it says anything about the etymology. No, Wikipedia does not. Let me just do one more question here. Where's Rabbit? Okay. Oh, no, it says it is actually. Horse meaning strong. Strong radish. Okay, I thought it was something else. That's actually that the word came somehow from something relating to sea radish or, or swamp radish. Oh, a horse is a strong animal. Anyway, fine. Okay. So anyway, all right. So he says that rabbit, this, this horseradish of the bitter herbs of the swamp you can use. Now what's the Chiddush? So it says like this. May say, I'll ask you on this. The Chiddush is that it has this qualifying name of the swamp. Azo, when the Torah says you have to use a bunch of hyssop for the Korban Pesach, and then we also link it to using a bunch of hyssop for like the sprinkling of the ashes of the Paraduma, it says Agudat Ezov, a bunch of hyssop. So, Ezov, below, oh, actually later we're going to deal with the idea that it says a bunch, right? And what constitutes a bunch when we say a bunch of hyssop? Same way here we say an aguda, a bunch of sticks. But here the focus is just going to be on what plant constitutes hyssop. 
Azov, below Azov Yava, not Greek Hisop. Below Azov Kuchli, and not bluish uh, Azov. Below Azov Midbari, or wilderness Azov. Below Azov Romi, or Roman Azov. Below Azov Shem Levi, not any type of a Hisop that has a qualifying, an attendant name. Some type of a descriptive name. That makes it a subspecies and not standard Azov. So if that's true, why not saying the same about horseradish? It has to be called Maror, and not Maror of the Swamp. So Amar no, here's the difference. If did it have a different name, meaning did it have a, you know, a, 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 a qualifying name, it wasn't generic, it was some type of a, you know, X type of horseradish, X, you know, X Azo, Greek Azo, Roman Azo. Did it have that qualifier name, that attendant name? If it had that before the Torah was given, and then the Torah came along and did not say any word that suggested something more inclusive. It just used the standard generic term, hyssop. And so the, if there were other types of hyssop, Greek hyssop, Roman hyssop, this and that, and the Torah just said hyssop, so we're saying only standard hyssop, not any of these subspecies. So we well, Meaning it was mentioned twice in the Torah? Yeah, no, 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 no. Nishtana is a, is a slightly misleading term. It just means it has a, that it has a different name. It's not just included in the broad, generic name Hyssop. Before the Torah was given, there already was a species known as Roman Hyssop and as Greek Hyssop and as Blue Hyssop. There were other types of Hyssop out there. And the Torah came and said, Hyssop, without indicating hisops in the plural, without in any way suggesting the idea that it was an inclusive word. So that means just the standard, not these, sub, not these variations. So that's, so a, that's a bit of a, I guess, for them, they didn't really have the science. How do you know? Yeah. How do you know what they had at the time of the Torah? Yeah, that is a good question. Okay, the Torah came and was makbid, meaning of only, the, somehow by silence, it was makbid to say only the standard variation. So therefore, it is known, it's a funny phrase, it's known that it has an attendant name, meaning that the, the presence of the attendant name makes it a different species and not acceptable. It's a funny way of saying it, but that seems to be the point. The honey, these, the other types of horseradish, they didn't have, they weren't known as a subspecies at the time of the Torah was given. So the mower of the Torah includes them. They only got some subcategorization later, so they were never excluded by the word mower of the Torah. So one answer is a fascinating, right, historical answer, which is like exactly this question. How did they know when these names differed and so on? Okay. Um, Rav Amar, Rav has another answer. No, 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 no. These things that you call swamp maror are really just called maror. The high dekarilu marurisa, the adma, the fact that they're called swamp maror, they're found in the swamp, meaning it's not a proper name, it's a descriptive name. Right? If I said to you, go get me some, what would be the example? I don't know, uh, uh, red peppers or, and, and orange peppers and, and green peppers, right? I don't know, maybe those are different species. But I'm just, you know, using it to describe what color I want. I'm not using it as a different type of a species, right, of peppers. What? Is the green one unripe paper? Really? Okay, even a better, even, even, even a better number. That's swamp mower means, yeah, you know, the typhic was in the swamp, but we're not saying that in some official scientific way it's a subspecies, which is also fascinating because, you know, 
they didn't have like a science of taxonomy of uh, I, I don't even think they did you know of vegetables at the time so what would put something in a separate subspecies meaning you know would it, and presumably it would just be how people would use it like the you know the, the way in which people would refer to it so he still may be saying that even from the way people refer to it they don't identify it they don't call it like Swamp Murrow with capital S and capital M. They call it lowercase s, you know? People still, even when they, even if we're not going by science, even if we're going by human categorization, they're still using that identifier as a, you know, as an, as a, like, as an adjective and not as a proper name. And therefore, it's not really a different species. Anyway, I would have said two things I would say. First is, is that I would have said, and this is the point that Gamar makes from Sachin, you know, there's a better answer. It would seem that there's a better answer, which is, the Torah says mirorim, bitter herbs, which is what allows the Gemara to say that you can have multiple different types of things that constitute maror. You know, even very different things, right? You can have horseradish, for, perhaps, possibly. There's a debate whether our horseradish really is maror. And you can have, like, romaine lettuce, you know? It's not talking about one narrowly defined species. It's bitter herbs in the plural, so it's a very inclusive category. So if that's true, my God, if you could go from romaine lettuce to horseradish, so different types of horseradish presumably would be included as well. It's, the Torah's word is more of a descriptive word than a, you know, than a sort of a species term, than a proper term. So it's funny that the Gemara doesn't suggest that to allow it to be more descriptive either. Anyway, this idea of the Gemara about Shein Levi, and is it the thing itself or not, you know, which comes up a number of times in the Gemara. I remember it was just like a month ago. It was such, such a funny sequence I saw on uh, John Stewart on The Daily Show where he did something which was like a perfect illustration of this. He was like ranking on uh, Chicago, you know, and Chicago has like, you know, what is it, deep pan pizza? So it was going on and on about how like, you know, about how, you know, they talk about how their, you know, pizza is whatever, so amazing, and it was anyways ranking on it that, you know, that it does it, you know, about how it's, how it's not, doesn't really taste as good as New York pizza. Anyway, the last part he did was, and you know what, is, you know, and, and you, you know what Chicago, he says, you know what you call this? You call this deep pan pizza, Chicago pizza, he says, you know what this is? And he picks up a slice of pizza, pizza. <laughs> so, you know, shame of I, it's not the real thing. All right, anyway. <laughs> so, somebody says, I'm our So that was, so anyway, two explanations about why this swamp mower is not a problem. So he says, Amar Rav Chista, says Rav We just said that if you bind one thing up, and it's already one unit, like it's these different stalks that are combined at the bottom, it's not considered a bundle. You don't make a bundle with one unit, even if it's somehow different stalks combined in a unit. Eged shalosh, shmei eged. However, if you have, what is the minimum size of a bundle? So I mentioned to you yesterday that Tosus quotes you Yushalmi that says 25, right? He is doing a much more minimalist approach. He is saying, or a machmir approach, that even three, sto- three sticks bound together is an eged and you can't use it. Shnayim, now what if you have two stalks bound together? That's machlokas rebiosi rabbanan, the beta rebiosi rabbanan, not by sukkah, but by another halacha that there's an idea of eged, of a bundle, okay, which is what, and presumably he's saying that the same debate there would apply to sukkah. What do we find there? No, we taught in the Mishnah. Mitzvah's azo. So now we're talking with not just the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the quality of the, the, um, the, 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 uh, the, the, the thing that's the Azov, what counts as a hyssop, but the idea that the Torah says Agudat Azov, a bundle of Azov. Now it says the bundle by the blood of the Korban Pesach in Mitzrayim. But we also learn to apply this idea of a bundle of Azov to like the sprinkling of the ashes of the Paraduma that has to be a bundle. So how many makes a bundle? 
So mitzvah's Ezav, the mitzvah of the Ezav is Shlosh Klachim, three stalks. Well, they had Shlosh Givalim, and then they have three, um, like, uh, heads, you know, whatever, whatever you call a head of ears. Okay? Now, Tosa says, Rashi and Tosa both say, it doesn't mean three ears per stalk, it means one ear per stalk. Okay, but they have to have their ears there as well. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Mitzvah's Ezov Shlosha Givalim. No, the Mitzvah Ezov does start with the idea of three stalks. The Shirav Shnayim. But if after you've had the bundle and you bundled them all together and made a knot around them, you know, one of them broke off and you're left with two, two is okay as to retain that identity. It has to start with three, but it could be left with two. The Gardumov, and let's say you have some remnant, it's that, like you have a little piece of stalk left. Most of it broke off, but you have a little remnant left. Koshu, even the smallest amount. This idea, by the way, is a common one in halacha, that once something gets an identity, it has a higher criteria to be labeled as something, but once it's labeled as it, it retains that identity even, even when a lot less is left over. So, for example, a common example I use is... Um, for something to be considered food, to be susceptible to become tamay, it has to be fit for, fit for human consumption. But once it is labeled as food, and maybe also particularly once it becomes tamay, um, then it does not stop being considered food until it, becomes, until it becomes not just unfit for human consumption, but even unfit for animal consumption. Now, once it gets the label, it's much more resistant to losing the label. Um, so, um, you know, um, I mean, you might have like a very high threshold before hiring somebody for a job. But once they get the job, they're going to have to really mess up before they get fired, okay? Like, there's this idea of, like, of, uh, you know, of, uh, of, I call it the stickiness factor, okay? Or the, um, uh, what is it, the inertia factor, not exactly the same. But anyway, um, so that's the idea here. You have the idea also maybe relevant, similar to the idea of the hyssop, of a stringy type of a thing. The Gemara in Menachos does this discussion about tzitzis. Like, what you need for a string of tzitzis, how long it has to be to be kosher when you make the tzitzis. But if after you made the tzitzis, it snaps, and you're only left with a tiny little bit, so Bidyevd, what you're left with is okay. So that's what Reb Yossi says. You have to start with three, but Bidyev, after you start with three, you can be left with two. And even of those two, presumably, even if they break, as long as a little bit is left, you're also okay. All right, so now this is, let's see what the Gemara does with this. Um, it says like this. Um... Kasaka Daitik, we're assuming Midishirov the Gardumov is referring to the Shaim or the Shaim? Presumably the Shaim. Kasaka Daitik, Midishirov Shnaim. So we I just gave you what Wigamar's gonna say at the end by Rebyosi, it's probably the Pshad of Rebyosi. But Gamar starts with a different assumption. We're assuming that since in the end Rebyosi says two, you could be if you're left with two, you're okay. He really would say you could start with two. The Haidikani Shlosha, so why does he say you start with three? So, the mitzvah, it means that that's lechatchila. But since Bidyevet, since he's okay when you're left with two, presumably even if you're starting with two, it'd be okay. Three is just a nice lechatchila. So for Yossi, three is like a, a mitzvah, the lechatchila. But for the rabbis, so what's the debate with the rabbis? Because when the rabbis say three, they mean you need three even Bidyevet. So we try to frame this debate of the rabbis who say three and the Yosef say start with three and end with two as a debate whether you need three or two. And therefore, that seems to be a debate. When the Torah says a bunch of Azov, agudat Azov, what's the minimum size for a bunch? The rabbis would say three and Rabbi Yosef would say two. And that would be the debate. So the Gemara says, but you can't say that. Vatanya, we start in the Bryce up. Rabbi Yosef Omer, Azov, Tchilaso Shnayim, Vishyav Echad Pasel. But in Azov, if you began with two and were left with one, 
maybe means even if you were left with one or were left with one, it's invalid. You cannot begin with two for your bunch of, of Azo. The anal kosher, it's only kosher, you must begin with three. Then, then if you're left with two, that's fine. But you must begin with three. So it's clear for Reb Yossi, you have to begin with three. It's not just a nice mitzvah and lichat chila. So it says, fine. Eipoch. So reverse what we were saying. Reb Yossi, for Reb Yossi, you see, if you start with less than three, it's not good. You need three to, you know, to, and less than three, to, if you don't have three, it prevents you from being Yossi. So when the rabbis say three, they're being actually more lenient. They're saying it's a mitzvah to do three. Whereas Rabbi Yossi is saying, no, you absolutely need to start with three. You don't need to end with three, but you need to start it. Okay, and how is this relevant to us? So we've now interpreted the debate of Rabbi Yossi and the rabbis by the bunch of hyssop for like the Korban Pesach and for the, what do you call it, for the Paraduma, the Rabbi Yossi says you must start with three, and the rabbis say three is L'Chabchila, but with the evidence it's okay to start with two. So that's a debate. What is the minimum number of things that constitutes a bunch? For Yosef, it's three. For the rabbis, it's two. Just show you a fascinating little Tosos, because you'll like Tosos where he's bringing his proof. Bishlosha Shmei Eged. Tosos says, Tema, Dimusechus Avos Mashma, Depochus Nechamisha Lo Shmei Eged. Not, you were going to ask that? Well, let's just read it. Let's read it. Asarish Yoshim Vaoskim Betara, Shechina Beinayim. Five, ten people who are living Torah, the Shina is among them. That's an Eidah. How do you know even five people? The bunch is, on, is established on the land. So you see a bunch is five people. Okay, so not three. Okay, so that's what so we said. Yeah, the Mishnah B'Yagyava says, Ten people learning Torah, God is among them, because it says God is among the congregation, and a congregation is ten. How do you know even five people? Because it says God's bunch is established on the earth, so Aguda is five. And how do you know even, I don't know, knows, but it assumes that Aguda is five. five. Aguda is a bunch. Oh, okay. And how do you know that's what we're talking about? Aguda is of, an Eged, right? So for the bunch of hyssop or for the for the schach, and how do you know even three? Because it says you know because um, it says uh, what's supposed to be three. Bekerev elokim yisbon in the midst. So midst means how many people need to have a midst of them, a middle. You need an odd number. You need three. So it says it looks like a good is five, no, not a not good is three. So he says the yisbon digar the ipcha. And so he says some reverse to Gersa that Karev Olkim Yishpot is five and Aguda is three to make it reconcile it with this Kabara. But Tosa says it doesn't really make so much sense. So in the end, Tosa says maybe if you look, you want to look at the, how he answers it. Three lines from the end of that Tosa, he says. Maybe a normal aguda is three, like we say here, and that's what you need for agudat ezov, three strands, three stalks of hyssop. The verse of God's group is established on the land, means five. Why? Because the verse next to it says, My hand has shaped the, my, has shaped the land. And the hand has five. So the group means the bunch of fingers. All right. Anyway, it's cute that he's trying to make a, like, learn out from a mission in Kirtei Avot, right, which also focuses on the word aguda and what is the minimum of but aguda. But the never does that, right? Like, quotes from Avos or something else? It does quote from Avos, yeah. something like... I think, yeah. I don't remember offhand, but I know that there are definitely... Okay. Anyway, so it might sound like this. Okay. Natanya, now... So now we've got this debate whether three or two hyssops, which we're saying also would translate 
into the issue of schach. Now, tied that we teach in a brayser, ezov tchulaser shnei b'shiyar of echad kasher. Then ezov that has to begin with two, and if it ends with one, it's kosher. No, batanya actually is not a challenge; it's a support. So this is going to show that the rabbis, the Yossi says you need to start with three. The rabbis are going to say that you can start with two by ezo, because the brayser says if you start with two and you're left with one, it's okay. It's only invalid if you start with one and end with one. So you see, it can't be Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says you have to start with three. So this must be the rabbis, and it says you can start with two. So we see there is that debate between Rabbi Yossi and the rabbis whether minimally you can start with three or two. What is the minimum size of an aguda? Okay? Now the Gemara says... Um, what does it mean that it's invalid if you're left with one? We said it's, it's valid if you're left with one as long as you begin with two. Unless it's fine. That's what it means. It means, you can read it. It's invalid if you start with what normally we let you end with. If you start with one, that's invalid. If you started with two, it's okay to end with one. But if you need to start with two. As opposed to Rabbi Yossi that says you need to start with three and end with two, the rabbis say you need to start with two. If you start with two, you can end with one. Yeah. But anyway, we have basically said that when it comes to Azov, an Aguda is three or two. So presumably for the Mishnah, although obviously it could have been a very different definition, Yerushalmi thinks it's a radically different definition. It's 25. Because the purpose of our Mishnah is not just a, you know, some abstract, you know, platonic idea of what is a minimum size of a bunch. Three makes a bunch. It's a practical issue that you're going to, you know, come with your bundle of wood and put it on top of your shrocha. So they limit it to normal cases of a normal size of a bundle of wood. They normally limit it to 25. Our Gemara makes it much more a formalistic definition of bundle and says even three, presumably, the same way that's an issue for Azo, that would be the issue for how many minimum stalks or minimum pieces of wood wouldn't be invalid users for the sukkah. So yeah. That's a good point. So you, why don't we say that the yeah. egged there... Yeah, but although, although there, it's not a... Um, it's a good point. I mean, there you do have three things in your egged, you, you know? So you have more than three if you count the multiple pieces of the aravan of the uh, whatever. So it's two. But there we're not saying the puzzle start with the word egged. The puzzle just uses the vav to combine them. Okay, so the word sounds like this. Darish Maremar, back to trying to explore the parameters of this idea of a bundle of wood. Hani Isar Yesa Desura, this um, bundle of, um, of, uh, of stalks from Sura, okay, Misachim you could use it. Now, why? What's special about it? Afagav de Agdan, even though you made a bundle of them, you knotted them together, you're only doing it for number, meaning you buy like you buy something in the store and it's bundled together in order to give you like a count of it. I'm trying to think what a good example would be. A dozen eggs in a box. I guess like a dozen eggs in a box. So this is bundled with a string. There's types of things that they would like. Uh, a dozen roses. Oh, that maybe is a nice example, right? A dozen roses. So you don't really have the bundle as a way of carrying them, right? It's done in order to know. Well, you know, although you know, right? It's well, I don't know, because when you buy a dozen roses, they might count a dozen and then they'll put the bundle. Well, so it's not to properly, give you... you know, they put, a, they put a, like, a string... You know, oh, like, that's a good idea, like a rubber band around the broccoli, because, you know, you're buying X numbers, they're buying them in units. So they're doing it in order to give you a count, 
and to make it easier to sell them as a count, but not that the bundle is meant as a means of actually, you know, for the purpose that they need to be held together or for the means of conveying them or carrying them. So it's not a normal bundle. It's a bundle just for convenience of grouping them together for count, and therefore, even though physically they're held together, that's not an official bundle, and therefore it's not a problem to use it for a sukkah, which is a fascinating idea. Okay. Because we, the whole reason we didn't want to use bundles in the first place is to protect you. There's really nothing wrong with it. It was to protect you from... Actually, that, putting it on the top of the sukkah and wh- when it's not made for um, schach. But the point is that, that that's the point, that that idea that you'll be carrying big bundles of things and put them on top of the sukkah, so we're going to limit it to scenarios where you really bundle things together. This is not really bundled together, right? Okay. So... Um, and they're only sort of bundled for their number. These uh, types of like uh, um, huts for uh, for trappers. Um, so um, um, so um, that are kivan shuhutra roshay ma'adanim shalahem k'sherim. Once the top is undone, they're kosher. So basically, the way this was made, it was sort of like yeah, all right. So I'll draw a picture here. It was sort of like a teepee. You've got these, like, Rashi says, these are rubber leaves, these big willow branches, okay? And you sort of put them together, right? You do it like that, and you make a knot at the top, okay? And you've got at the bottom, right, sort of like, you know, it's sort of, it, it, it's conical, right? Not conical. <laughs> right? Anyway, you know, you sort of, it looks like this if you, like, turned it 90 degrees. So you stick under here, you, it's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like, you know, what do you call it? Like, you know, you're with your rifle. It's like, I don't know, it's like you're going, in, what do they call those, a blind? Like you're going hunting or whatever? So you hide under there, okay? But this is what it looks like. At the top, it's all these strands that are sort of not, you know, these leaves or whatever that are bundled together. And at the bottom, this part is sort of like woven together with like some type of, of, of a weave. It's not like bunched together, but you know, it's sort of like, there's like a weave that's sort of keeping, Even it, all keeping the, the cone together at the bottom and at the top. Like the mat. Like the mat. Well, this goes back to the question Michael was asking on Shabbos about the mat. So that's the bottom. But the top is more of a normal bunching of them, right? So, what, so let's see what happens. He says... Um, once you undo the head of their like of the, of the leaves the head of the stalks so it's kosher so you can use it now it's no longer bundled together I'm not sure it means the, it means the um, um, Rashi says uh, I don't know like the, the stalks or the components of it I don't know how they translate it there in the English the knots okay the head of the knots yeah anyway alright so it said, um, so the Gemara says, and this is like, you know, Michael's question yesterday. So how about the bottom? You know, the bottom is all sort of woven together. Now, that's not a bundle, right, because it's sort of keeping this in this canonical thing, and it's like a weave of them together. It's not like a big outer thing, right? This is Michael's question, why isn't the mass a bundle? So let's see what the Gemara says. Isn't it woven at the bottom? So Amar Papa, Jashari Lahu, you undo it, fine, you undo the weave at the bottom, which then is a big, a huge question. So what's the Kiddush of the whole thing then? No, you don't undo the weave at the bottom. Okay, similar to the idea before that you're doing it for a number, but he's basically saying that's done as a weave to hold a shape. That's to create a shape. That's not done as a way of bunching together discrete units 
and holding them so they're more easier to carry. It's not a classic bundle, see, which is sort of what I checked in my goal yesterday. A bundle is you have a discrete unit and you're putting some outer thing around it and the Gemara specifically identifies like even that the purpose matters. Are you doing it just to, for the number, you know, to sell it as a unit or are you doing it actually to convey it? This is not, it's a different physical reality. It's not like an outer thing bundling things together. It's done to give it a particular shape. Now Rashi, by the way, does say if you look at Rashi, Sheena Asi I don't know if that's twenty lines down, beginning of a line, he says in the narrow lines, he says, She goes from the when you undo the top, who nitak if you were to try to carry it, the whole thing would anyway fall apart. You only have this like woven thing. So for Rashi, it sounds like a little different. Like Rashi, if you wanted to read Rashi in a very minimalist way, he would be saying the reason it's not considered a bundle is because it won't stay together. Not just that that's not the purpose of the bottom weave. So if that's true, if you take something like the mat, you'll say that the mat does stay together. So maybe it is called a bundle because it all does stay together. But nevertheless, we're going to see a later Gemara that's going to be clear that mats that are not Makapal Tuma, even though they're woven, are not considered to be bundles, are considered okay. So it does seem that the basic idea here is, look, even with the weave, it's not a normal bundle, which is separate discrete units brought together in some outer string holding them together. Okay. So now the Gemara says like this. Um, so it seems like we're not getting away from the murder. Like it is fascinating sometimes the way the Gemara keeps on doubling back in things that don't seem so relevant. Like first we talked about Azov with a, with a, we talked about Marur with a attendant name like Swat Marur and Azov with an attendant name. And that seemed to be like a total digression, right? Because it was the same person who said, who said one thing mentioned this thing about Marur. But we brought in the discussion of Marur and Azov. And now we're not giving up on them. We then discussed Azov in terms of defining the minimum bundle. And now we're going to discuss Marur and the use of Marur for Schach in your, in, in your Sukkah. So it's quite fascinating how we're like doubling back on these things which seem to be a digression. So let's take a look. The vegetables that the rabbi said you could use for your mitzvah of Marur on Pesach. So Mevin Esatuma, they, they, they transfer Tuma and the Inchotim Bisnea Tuma, they're not a Chatzitza in the presence of Tuma. What does that mean? It means, right, if you have here something that's a roof, right, an Ohel, right, it's a Tevach by Tevach, Tevach off the ground, and you have a mace down here, right, so the Lacha is, you have a corpse underneath it, the Tuma, if it's a Tevach above, the Tuma hits, and it spreads underneath the roof, but it doesn't go above. So this is Nivian, it spreads the Tuma to everything underneath it, but it's Chotzeit. It's, it, it's a block, it's an obstacle for the Tuma to proceed above. Okay, now normally, those things go together. If something is maybe a Tuma, it's also Chotzeit. If you didn't have a roof, it wouldn't be maybe, it wouldn't go across, but it would be Eino Chotzeit, it would go through. Some types of things, from a rabbinic perspective or whatever, are uh, sometimes could be biblical, what's supposed to say rabbinic, has the worst of both worlds. It both spreads the tumor underneath it and it allows tumor to go above it. And one example would be these types of vegetables from Marwar. If you use them as your roof, you know, they were above your tumor, your, your dead body, it would be maybe, it would bring it because it's a physical object, it's wide enough, but the tumor would also continue above. Why? And what we're going to see is is because these are types of things like we discussed before, 
certain things, leaves or whatever, which will wither and, you know, crumble. These are types of things that when they would dry out will crumble. And therefore, after a while, there won't be a roof over the top. And the rabbis were afraid you won't be paying attention. So therefore, they had to say, it's like it's already crumbled. And you have the worst of both worlds. Since it now is present, it brings the tumah. Since eventually it'll be crumbled, we look at those that that's already happened and the tumah goes through it. Okay, so that's for laws of Tumah. But now we're going to see how that's relevant for Sukkah. And also, it in, it's in value of the Sukkah. Like air. My time. Now, what would you say before that word of air? Could you use this for Schach? Could you use Mara for Schach? It's food. It food. Use, right? So it's So you can't use it. But if it's just bad schach and bad schach, what's the halach of bad schach? So we're going to find out that bad schach invalidates only if it's four tfachim. Less than four tfachim is not a problem. Also, another big leniency of bad schach is you'll remember the principle of the bending wall, right? So the principle of the bending wall is here's your sukkah, right? If you have bad schach here, up to four amot, right? You can envision this as a bent wall. So bad schach is not the end of your sukkah. If it's if it's if it's um, if it's juxtaposed contiguous to the wall, it actually can be up to four amot, and your sukkah could still be good. Even if the bad schach were in the middle, it would only be a problem of four tzvachim. So that's by bad schach. However, if it's air, if you have no schach, then once it is three tzvachim of air, once this is three tzvachim of air. Okay, it's no good. Why? Because once it's Mishachim, you can't say Lavud, and then your schach isn't attached to your walls. So air is a bigger problem than bad schach. Okay? Okay, and if it's in the middle as well, once it's three Tfachim, it's no good. Why? Because again, then the ceiling is not connected. It's like two separate ceilings, right? Well, why so, don't you have a bent wall for the two Tfachim? Because but walls are only physical. So even when we use the magic of the bent wall, it needs to be physical schach to view it as a continuation of the wall. But if it's a break of air, then it stops. There's no wall. The top, there's no roof, right? So then you have no, you have no wall. The schach isn't connected to the wall. Invalid. If you have three talking of air in the middle, then you have schachs that are not connected to after the schach aren't connected to one another. Right? That's assuming it's going the entire length of the schach. I think this was an aerial view, right? You were looking from above, and that was your sukkah. That was your three swachim of air, right? So you don't have a kosher sukkah, right? This has, you know, I mean, well, maybe you have a kosher, but only half of your sukkah is kosher. I mean, depending on if you have, let's say, three walls here or something like that. But you see that with your sukkah down in half. You can't have a split. I thought the rule for schach was just you have to have more shade in the sun. Well, but you have to have a continuous roof. You have, yeah, that's, we'll see, we'll discuss more of that later, but yes. If it's so, if, if there's a if there's a whole split three tefachim down, then the then the schach is not connected to itself. Okay. So anyway, so it's worse for something to be air than for it to be um, than for it to be what do you call for it to be puzzle schach. Um, actually, you know, if you've got a big thing of air in your sukkah, you're better off putting puzzle schach to fill it up than to leave it as air. Okay, so the, if you have a big thing of air in your sukkah, you're better off filling it with puzzle schach than leaving it as air. So the chiddush here is you've got this horseradish as your schach. Technically, Abai should say you're going to leave your sukkah because it'll be smelly. Those are, that's what Abai should say. But anyway, technically it's puzzle schach. And okay, if it's less than four tzvachim, you're fine. Or even less than four amos if it's against the edge of the wall. But comes along the Gemara and says, no, actually, once it's three tzvachim, it's invalid. It's like it's air. It's, inv- it's as bad as air. Why is it as bad as air? So, 
It's like what they say on the radio, right? The worst thing is to have dead air. Right? Just <laughs> fill it up with anything is better than to have dead air. So the Gemara says like this, okay? So, uposin the sukkah mishum avir. It's involved like a sukkah like air, not just like pasulska. My time, and why is this true? Both questions. Why does it not be, be a barrier for tumah, and why is it as bad as air for the sukkah? Even though hiyavsi parchi enoughly, since when it dries out, it crumbles and falls down. Tzman zelas new dami. You look at it even now as though that happened because we're afraid you won't be paying attention, and therefore we treat it now as the worst case scenario in the end, and therefore it's like it's air, so it doesn't stop. Yeah, you mean, it really will be a physical gap. If once dries out, yes, it will crumble and fall down. I don't know. The leaves will go. We still have some. I don't know. And I don't know why the Gemara is saying all the vegetables in Asmara. What, they're all the same and they're different that way than other foods? Other foods don't crumble? So I don't know. But, 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 but it's interesting because it's the same reason. Really, in, re- in the real world, the vegetables are more, don't do that thing with tuma where they, where they have tuma underneath and tuma above. Right. Rabbis sort of made it because they might crumble. Exactly. Same thing here, really. Exactly. It's the same explanation for tuma as it is by, as it is by the schach, why it's treated as air. So command the Western Dami, even now we view it as though they're no longer there. Fine. So now we really start getting into the world of Tumatara. If you are harvesting grapes, that's what the word botsa means, for the gas, for the uh, uh, pressing vat, um, you're, you're going to make it into wine. The principle of yad, hand, does not apply. There's a basic principle of tumma that something that is attached to a, a vessel, let's say a vessel, you have a handle on a jug, and you touch the tumma to the handle, the jug becomes tame. It's like an extension of the vessel. The same way that's true by a vessel, it's also true by food. If you have an apple, and you've got the little, like, a twig um, that comes out of the apple, what's that called, a twig? Stem, thank you. You have the stem. So since that's used as a hand, because sometimes you'll pick up the apple by the stem, right? So then, or let's say by your grape, you know, you've got the whole uh, stalk or whatever it is, and you pick it up by that stalk. So that serves as a handle to the grape. So even though the stalk by itself doesn't become tamay, if it's attached to the grape and you touch too much to the stalk, the grape becomes tamay, or the apple becomes tamay. That's called a yad, a handle. Because it's not food. It's just a piece of wood, right? If it were by itself, right? But if it's serving as a handle to the food, it transfers too much to the food. So now, let's say you're harvesting grapes to make wine. So in that case, you don't want those stems, right? If you're eating grapes, you maybe want those stems as a way of, you know, holding on to the grape. But if you're harvesting it for wine, you don't want those stems. They're just getting in the way. So even though physically they're attached, they're not considered a yad, a handle, They have because they don't have a, a desired function as a handle. Okay, so that's what he says. If you're harvesting grapes for, for the vat and for making wine, then the idea of yad doesn't apply. And those stems do not communicate tuma, do not transfer tuma. So that's what he says. Let's say you are harvesting... Um, Grapes for, and you want to use the grapes and the vine for schach, then the idea of yad does not apply. Now, it's a little bit funny because you don't actually want the grapes for the schach, you just want the vine for the schach. But it's the same type of an idea. If you're harvesting it for grapevines, let's say for schach, you're not interested in the grape. So you don't want the grape attached to the stalk. You just want the stalk. Okay? So it's conceptually, it boils down to the same thing. You don't want these two attached. Okay, so therefore there as well. Now that's relevant. Why is it relevant? Because if you're putting your grapevine with the grapes up on your schach, you have to know how much of this is kosher schach, how much of it is puzzle. Well, how about the part attached to the grape? Does that get counted as part of the grape? 
for weighing the amount of puzzle stock or does it be counted as part of the rest of the vine? Okay, so and he says... Yeah, well, there can be a certain amount of puzzle stock as long as it's mixed up no, and it's in the minority. No, grapes on it? I'm not worried that you're going like, to start plucking the grapes on the all right, that's a different issue about uh, about Muktsukselamitzvaso, where we say where where we're not worried. You can put up stuff also for like decorations. So let's take a look. The Gemara says like this. Um, okay, Hakotzer is chachim liyados. Madam Hakotzer, if you say the case. Uh, by the way, right, Kotzer might not also be referring to things other than grapes. You could be cutting down, I don't know, big fronds of uh, palm trees and have some bananas attached to it. Okay, so the one that says that the case by schach, it's not a yad. Koshkane boats there. So you would certainly say, by the case of harvesting grapes, that the twigs are, that the uh, twigs are not a yad. Zilo because you obviously don't want it connected to the grape. Zilo because it's going to absorb. If you have stalks in your vat, it's going to you know suck up the wine. It'll absorb the wine, and you don't want that. It also have to. It'll impurify the wine. So there's no question that you don't want the stalks when you're making wine, and that it's not considered a yad. But Mandam are boats, boats there. But if you just gave your example by the harvesting grapes that it's not a yad, shame or yadot, you might not agree with the case of schach. Avokotsa yeshlo yadot. By, the, by, by cutting off like palms of the, you know, branches of a tree, you might have a principle of yad. Why? You don't want it connected to the food. So why are they considered to be like a unit? So, no, because you do want it connected to the pieces of fruit that's on the, on the branch. Why? So it shouldn't scatter. Meaning, you know, if you have a, a, a you might want the nice heavy piece of fruit attached because it'll weigh down the branch and it'll keep the branch in place. So even though it's pasul you might want it to be attached to the to the branch because the heavy fruit will keep the branch in place. And since you want it attached, the idea of yad would still apply because there's a desire to attach the fruit with the stalk that is that is connected to it. Okay, so there you could actually say that it is considered part of the fruit because you want the fruit connected to the branch and therefore it counts as puzzle schach. So now the Gemara just tries to prove this. David Rabbanashi Bar Gada Tanaihi. Let's say this issue is a debate of Tanaihi. Branches of figs, fig, uh, fig branches, and with figs attached to them. Or clusters of grapes. I'm sorry, um, uh, yeah, like, uh, whatever, like grape vines, whatever, clusters with the grapes still on them. Kashinu behen shivalim, or, or straw with the, uh, ears still attached to it. Mechabadot behen tamarim, or big fronds of, uh, palm trees with the, uh, dates still attached to it. Kulan, and you use these for schach. So the, the wood part, the, the, the branch part and the leaves are kosher. The fruit part is puzzle. So here's the halacha. <laughs> if the waste product, meaning the you know the the leaves and the branches, is more than the fruit than the food part, so it's kosher. Because again, remember this idea that if you have a mixture of schach, kosher and pasul schach, you can go by the majority. And if not, it's invalid. Okay, you go by you you figure out what the majority is. By the way, you have to love the irony that the name for kosher schach is psolet, yeah. which is like pasul, and that's from the similar direction of psolet gor v'yekev, the remnant of the what comes from the threshing floor. Acherim omim others say No, it's not enough to have more of this other stuff than the food than the fruit. It has to be more than the fruit and the twigs that are attached to the fruit. That gets counted in the pasul schach. So you see, this seems to be what's being debated. Do you count the twigs in the pasul schach as part of the fruit or not? 
My love, the Hakamiflahi. This is the debate. This seems to be the date. The Marsava Yeshlan Yagot, that there are hands, that the twigs are part of the fruit, when cut for schach, Umarsava Elam Yagot, that it's not. That seems to be exactly the issue. That says, Rabbi Ava Vare tonight. For Rabbi Ava, who says, even when you cut it for schach, there are, um, they're not considered, um, they're considered to be hands. That's certainly a debate of Tanayim. Because here you see that some say they're not hands. Um, I'll say no. When you're doing it for the schach, for the purpose of schach, everybody agrees you don't want the fruit connected and they're considered separate and there's no concept of hands. So why is there a concept of hands in this case? The case here where there's a debate whether the, whether the twigs are considered part of the fruit or not is not when you cut it for schach. If you cut it for schach, you don't want it attached and it's not considered part of the fruit. The debate here where Rabbi Meir says it is part of the fruit and it's invalid was when initially it was cut for the purpose of fruit. And if it's initially it was cut for the purpose of fruit, okay, then it is considered part of the fruit. So we'll pick up with this tomorrow because that was a little bit rushed, but the basic idea is is that there is an opinion that says it's part of the fruit, but the claim is that would not be the normal case. Normal if it's for schach, it's separate. It's only part of the fruit when you were cutting it for the sake of fruit. Then you do have the concept of yas. All right, to be continued tomorrow. So, so we'll